Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's amazing the amount of customers that come down and still to this day, they comment how their phone, how the signals go on their phone. And uh, that's how they say, oh, we didn't even realize there was a border. It's such a seamless, um, what's the word, kind of journey. Yeah, that's the word. The border, it's just part of everyday life. Welcome to Borderlines from the Irish Times. With me, Mary Minahan. And me, Freya Clements. This podcast is about exploring changing identities north and south, with one presenter on either side of the border, chatting to guests who get it. And our guest today really does get it, because he's right on the border. He's in Black Lion in County Cavan, and he's made it a destination for food lovers from all over Ireland. We're talking, of course, about Nevin Maguire, chef, restaurateur, author and broadcaster, and chef proprietor of McNean House and Restaurant, who we spoke to late last year. Uh, good morning, ladies. Who writes these beautiful introductions? I love them. Keep going. <laughs> Come here. It's great to, great to chat to you both. And thank you for asking me to do this, Freya. Thanks, Mary, too. Thanks, Nevin. Nevin, with hindsight, we missed a trick and we should have come up or down in Freya's case to the restaurant and done the podcast there. How is it faring for you after lockdown? I'm sure it was a very hard time for all in your business. Yeah, listen, it's been, um, so we're 32 years open in business and I've never known it to be more challenging as it is now. Mm. It was great to get open. We were closed for eight months and uh, we uh, had to let go of 65 staff, you know, and then we have 60 back working now, which is great. So 50 of the original staff came back and then we took 10 new staff back so it's been um it's been it's been so good to have people in to be honest with you i'd say we cancelled well over two thousand bookings in the restaurant mm. so that was just a bit of a kind of shock when you hear those kind of numbers because we're so booked up for kind of two years ahead but no it's great and i'm very positive and i would still describe it as very fragile at the minute and i think the key is just to keep doing what we're doing you know we're only doing one sitting 50 percent less and we're really happy with it thank god touch wood you know touching wood here. <laughs> I suppose that the fact that even, you know, somebody as well established as yourself in a restaurant as well established as yourself, you know, and even you're describing it as as fragile. I mean, you know, how would you sum up the state of the restaurant industry in general in Ireland at, at this point? I mean, if you're finding it difficult, I would imagine oh. they're finding it even harder. Yeah, Freya, it definitely is. I mean, like, Getting staff has been a challenge over the summer. I mean, like from 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 everything to the you know to housekeeping to you know uh, chefs. You know, our restaurant definitely industry is definitely finding it very difficult. Um, I suppose a lot of places have had a very good summer. It's going to be, I'd say, a challenge in winter. And hopefully, you know, the restrictions will be lifted in some shape or form, just nice and kind of gently and slowly and that everyone is comfortable. Because at the end of the day, we rely on our customers to feel comfortable and safe. And, you know, that has to be, it has to work out because when you have 60 staff, you know, going through the payroll, it's a lot of staff, but they're all local and we're very, very proud of that. So the industry definitely is going, we need to just get in and just getting people into this industry, you know, looking after our 
team. I think we do personally from our own business. We've always treated our staff like family and, you know, you're not going to hold on to staff for 17, 20 years, one moment for 45 years, 43 years she's with us. So I think the key is to looking after your staff and and work-life balance. I think people have learned a lot over the last year or two. Certainly I have, you know, we don't want them working long hours. We want them to have a life. I think it's still an exciting industry. I love it so much. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And I just think we just need to get into schools and just sow the seed with young people that this can be a great career you can travel the world and you can learn so much and there's huge opportunities out there in within the food industry to be honest with you yeah Nevin can we look back a wee bit um to how you got started I think cooking really was in your blood your father bought the restaurant your your mother ran it how did you get started Suppose, suppose for my mother from the age of maybe eight or nine, Mary, I um, started baking flapjacks, shortbread, apple tart and like we're all born with a sweet tooth and my, my daughter Lucia, she, she's like myself, I have a very sweet tooth and so is she. But uh, I suppose baking with my mother and then when they opened the restaurant in 1989 because remember we closed with the troubles from 73 to 89, like our house was bombed twice and there were really difficult times. I, I can't really remember an awful lot of it but I can remember the excitement when we reopened. We always had maybe five rooms, nine rooms, and now we have 20 rooms. So I got my love of food from my mother. And then I went into Fermanagh College in Inniskillen, and that's where I done my kind of chef and professional uh, cooking. And that, that's where I thought. I thought there for five years. I learned a lot about working with young people. You know, they come in in good humour one day, bad humour the next day, and then the next day they might turn up. So after I worked in um, or started cooking with my mother, I went to work in Roscoff in Belfast. I worked in Berlin uh, in a one Michelin star restaurant and then I worked in Luxembourg so I always kept coming home because it was a family business there's nine of us in my family and they all worked in within the restaurant in you know from front to house like my twin brother he was the wine waiter but David never drank in his life which is the funny part of it so it is and uh, it's it's always been kind of like the family ethos look after your guests treat your treat your staff well and that's what I learned from my mum and dad I think that's the key to a big part of our success is, is all about a good team Yeah and you know I'm always struck talking to you know the extent to which you talk about the business as a family and obviously you know that came from the fact that it started out as a family business but I, I wonder you know you talked there about the the very real impact of the troubles on the family business and I wonder you know was that your earliest memory of the border or your earliest awareness of of the border you know and and when you went to catering college in Enniskillen was there a sense of a difference as you crossed the border? Yeah, I mean, like, we always grew up with it. I mean, like, I remember, like, there was 59 guards in Black Lion. There was uh, um, soldiers there. There was a checkpoint just outside our restaurant. You looked out the window. It wasn't pretty, to be honest with you, Frey. And kind of guests might have felt a little bit, not intimidated, but when you're coming from different parts of Ireland, when you're not used to it, you know, like, even in Inniskill, and I vaguely remember, like, the town being closed off in the evening. So they were really some difficult times and literally were... 30 seconds from the border. A lot of my staff are from Fermanagh. So I decided, I actually, I'll tell you, I applied for Killybegs College. You see, I didn't do my leave insert. I left school early. Uh, I wasn't accepted. And I was a bit gutted about that, to be honest with you ladies. But then that made me kind of a bit more focused. And then I rang up Fermanagh College and Marion Campbell, a lovely lady, she took me on board under her wing. And the rest is history. Like I got my qualifications. I won lots, lucky enough to win lots of different um, competitions and that. And they were always very good to me. And I've never forgot that. And, you know, there's 
a message for young people because you got to follow your dream. It's not to, life is a roller coaster. If it doesn't, if it's not, if as my mother used to say, if it's for you, it won't pass you. And I think that's really good advice. And I, for me, from the age of twelve, I was very focused. I was the first boy in my school to do home economics. Oh my god, I got so much slagging. And I remember <laughs> I had to make a shirt once, and it was so bad. My mum and dad used it to polish glasses in the restaurant. But uh, I just knew I loved to cook. And the home economics teacher, Mairead McMorrow, um, one of my home economics books is dedicated to her. So food, we've always grown up with food in our family because mum and dad, obviously, when we were closed, they had the B&B. And then I was so lucky. I see it as a real kind of a fate for me that it worked out for me that I travelled up to Niskillen every day, went into college and then come home and worked in the restaurant. So it was it was meant to be. <laughs> but I loved my time in Fermanagh College. And, you know, that's where I got my love of food from my mother. I remember the first things cooking with her. She was an incredibly hard woman. She was a great lady and, you know, rare a family of nine. And I remember, bless her, she used to smoke an awful lot. And the only things I smoke is chicken, lobster, duck, that kind of thing. But she, I, I, I just remember the love she had for growing things and you know and her customers and her staff and I learned a lot of good values from my mum she was very we were very close we got on great and she taught me about good basics how to roast meat you know how to make sauces like food has changed so much like we we, we did a beautiful mixed grill and you know mum would have made all her sauces her steak Diane and different things to order and then she had a dessert trolley which people used to come far and wide for so she was really really um, talented in so many ways as she was so in a and that was probably the longest answer you've ever got. So it was from my mother I got. I love the food. Sorry. Nevin, can you talk a wee bit about uh, the ease with which border people cross the border <laughs> mentally, if you like, you know, even if it was physically awkward and difficult at times? Well, do you know what, Mary? It's amazing the amount of customers that come down and still to this day, the comment how their phone, how the signals go on their phone. And uh, that's how they say, oh, we didn't even realise there was a border. It's such a seamless um, oh, that's the word kind of journey yeah that's the word even like some of my, so many of my guests go into Niskillen because that's our local town it's 15 minutes up the road and uh, I think it's a great town so for me, the border, it's just part of everyday life. I mean, like it was, you know, years ago, very different, obviously. But I think now the police station is gone in Belcou. They have apartments there. And it's amazing when people used to come to us in the early years. They do remember that. And they, they, they remind me. But it's funny listening to people. It's the phones that really kind of like indicate we're in the border. We're going through the north. You know, this bling on their phone. So for me, it's, it's never been easier or more enjoyable going through the border. And it's great to see for us we live in the northwest there's so much to offer up here it's very unspoiled it's not very uh, touristy or very busy but it's very very natural and and think that's what people want out of COVID they want something that's very real and natural and that they can have time to enjoy the experience living in the moment and just enjoying the outdoor space. Can I ask you Nevin when you first became aware the troubles were going on or like I suppose most of us who grew up during the troubles we didn't think that deeply about it because it was all we knew. You know, was it just something that was there in the background that you thought was normal? Yeah, it would have affected mum and dad probably more than me. Uh, like 73, I was only a little baby. I was born. So we closed our restaurant from 73 to 89. The whole front of our restaurant was bombed twice with the UVF. They the parked up a car and it was a kind of like a car bomb just getting at the guards. No, we did get warning. No one was injured, thank God. But it was difficult times. It definitely was. And I remember, especially around the 12th fortnight, it was actually a bit scary going into Niskillen to be through foot. There was bonfires in the road. I remember going in once and I said, oh, this doesn't feel good. And it's something I've always done. Even in my college, I used to go out there. So, I mean, like, 
I do have a lots of memories and, you know, but they're not all bad. It's just part of life and the part of where we grew up because we're so near the border. Like people think, oh, Nevins and Cavan, you know, coming from Dublin, he's up the road. But your Cavan's such a long county. So we're about two and a half or two hours, 15, 20 minutes from Dublin. So we are. So we're right on the on the border, as you know, Fermanagh. And a lot of my staff, as I say, are from Fermanagh. So, I mean, like, I never really give it much thought to be truthful, which is certain times of the year might have been a little bit challenging. But to me, it's just where I grew up and I'm proud of it. Nevin Frey did a really interesting interview with Jeffrey Donaldson recently when he said he was happy to say that he's Irish and British. He's Northern Irish and British and British. Now, you're, you're not a politician, obviously, but you're, you know, you're a prominent and well-known person. Like you've worked in Berlin, around Europe and so on. Would you say I'm an Ulster man and an Irish man and a European or are these labels something you don't give that much thought to? Uh, I'm Paddy the Irish man. I'm only joking you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's very interesting you say that because I remember the first time I worked in Germany and I remember this distinctively. There was 130 chefs in the kitchen and the very first day I went in, a few few things are said to me. They opened up the fridge door, Irish beef, Irish lamb and the green of Ireland. And then they all think we drink Guinness every day, so they do for breakfast, lunch and dinner. But it was just an amazing, the perception that they have. For me, I'm a proud Irish man. I'm proud of being from Cavan and I'm proud of being from rural Ireland, which is a lovely part of the world, as I say. I've grown up with that. And it's it, it's all I know living in the country. So, you know, to me, to me, I am an Irish man and I have cooked over in America. I've cooked for the Congress. I've cooked to it and QVC and we're very lucky we're a small country but people were and they, they embrace Irish people they, there's just a lovely uh, goodwill and because we're, we're we're good people I think we're hard working we're honest and I think we have a lot of very very good qualities and people see that so they do so I've done a lot of travelling but being from Ireland I say oh I'm, I'm an Irish man I've never seen myself or, or said that I'm an Ulster man I'm from the you know obviously Ulster and uh, Cavan but it, it, it's more because we celebrate Cavan Day, so we do. So that's a big thing that we've done over the last couple of years ago. Um, people think we're as mean as anything in Cavan, but that's not true. We're generous and, you know, I've never peeled an orange in my pocket or anything. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so, you, so you say, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I say. Or eat a dinner from a drawer. I've never done that. <laughs> so I, I, I suppose, above all, you know, you're a proud Cavan man and I think anybody who knows you or who's listened to you, you know, what well, absolutely get that but I, I suppose you touched on this on this already but you've really been breaking new ground from from a young age and, and you mentioned how you've been the first boy in your secondary school to study home economics I mean I'm, I'm gonna out Mary here if you like because her her mom is actually a home economics teacher so I imagine she would have thoroughly approved I have to say my experience of, of, of home economics and maybe this shows where things need to change was it was sort of one term and we were all packed off to what was then known as the local tech, which happened to be across the road. Um, you know, I, I think we, we made 15s, which again is a very, no, very northern <laughs> thing, but it's also very, very easy. Classic. Uh, classic sort of fir- first recipe, you know, and, and, and that was pretty much, much it. And we were sort of, you know, brought back into school and back to our, to, to our school books. But what was it like for you being the, the first boy to, to study that? And, and, and how have times changed, I suppose? 
Well, God, you've said a lot of good points there. And well, first of all, being the first boy, I got picked on a lot, to be honest with you. And people uh, used to slag me off. But I was always very focused from a young age because I knew food was my love. I knew I wanted to do it. I told you I was very bad at the so one. But I think home economics has changed a lot. It's it's so much more now about life skills, education and getting the basics right. I'd love to see every young person being able to cook. And why not call it life skills instead of home economics? I just think that's what it's all about because we should be focusing on nutrition and cooking from scratch. I think it would be one of the best things that the government could do as an investment for future people, for their health and well-being. Because first of all, cooking from scratch, it's, well, I think it's very therapeutic cooking anyway, full stop. I, I do it professionally, but I cook at home all the time. And my twins, Connor and Asiya, they're nine and I'd love them to get into cooking. Will they be chefs? I'm not sure, but I'd love them to be too. But, you know, they go on their own little journey. But for every young person, they all have to cook when they go to college. So why not teach them, you know, how to make a simple bread or how to do a stir fry or how to make a simple soup? It's a win-win. We need to educate people about seasonality produce because when it's in season, it's a win-win for the producer, for the consumer. You're not um, important food that shouldn't be uh, used out of season because now it's so easy to get food all year round. But understanding, and I suppose how I got a little bit of that Freya was my mother used to grow cabbage, uh, turnip, uh, potatoes, cauliflower, uh, rhubarb. So she'd done a lot of her own kind of uh, growing and uh, myself and my twin brother had to weed the garden. Jeez, I hated it to be honest with you. We had to do that every August and then at the end of it uh, <laughs> we'd get pocket money and go into the skilling and get a football or gloves or something like that. So um, I think food and home economics it's very educational. I just think it's changed a lot. I'm actually doing a demonstration uh, for the Home Economics Association and I'm their ambassador. So I've been their ambassador so I kind of promote it you know and try and share my experience from home economics. Uh, I have only good memories, to be honest with you. My home economics teacher, Mairead McMorrow, was incredibly supportive to me. And uh, I remember that, you know, I used to enjoy doing the cooking, obviously, the baking. And, you know, I I just think it's moved on a lot. I think it has modernised and it needs to because people, you know, being able to cook from scratch and being able to enjoy good food, that's the best investment we can give our children, as simple as that. You know, people have a better understanding. They're more aware now of different foods and different spices. And the Irish palate, I think, has become very sophisticated. I think there's a huge interest in food. And even over lockdown, ladies, I've definitely seen a huge increase of more people cooking at home. I mean, like when we went into our first lockdown, I put something up in social media. I got 400 emails looking for recipes. I've never got that in my life. They were all given out to me down in the restaurant and saying, what have you done? And I said, uh-huh. OK, this is something I need to do every day is just to cook some simple recipes, encourage people, just inspire them, because what's the main event of the day is your is what's for dinner. So I think definitely in a roundabout way, if we educate young people from home economics years, yeah, I think it's better. It's a win-win for everyone, I think uh, so. What, what would you do? I mean, you, you talked there, but, you know, the government needing to invest? I mean, if you were appointed sort of advisor for nutrition or life skills or whatever you would call it, you know, tomorrow, you know, where would you start? What would you say to the government? This is what we need to do. Well, well, I mean, like some schools don't have facilities, but then you can buy little plug-in induction hubs that you can do a stir-fry in. So I kind of don't accept that at the same time. You know, I think we're investing a lot in computers and the IT side of things, but why not, you know, the whole uh, cooking side of things? And it doesn't have to be complicated, Frey. I mean, like it's a simple setup that, that you need that they cook once a week, you know, and they balance it, you know, and they make very simple things. Like you look at one of the most versatile ingredients is eggs. You know, you can do... Show 
them how to make a nice simple scramble egg, a poached egg, whatever it is, you know. So simple things like that, that when they go on to college and they go on, that they've got the basics right. Show them how to make a stew. Show them how to do a stir fry. Show them how to make a soup. A nice fish simple recipe because we're an island and we should be eating more fish. So they're all kind of key messages that I think that would work. It wouldn't cost a huge amount. It's all about starting it. And and like I definitely think it's getting better for it, to be honest with you, because I do go in to a lot of schools, particularly boys' schools. There's a lot more. There used to be this sissy element to home economics. And that's why I maybe change it to life skills, you know, because that's what it is all about. Uh, understand about nourishment and nutrition. Sorry, nutrition is the key word, I suppose. And young people are very focused on your, their nutrition, what they're eating, you know, and into their health and well-being. So why not cook simple but tasty and healthy food? Couldn't agree with you more, Nevin. Um, I guess on this podcast, we always ask our guests about the B word and that's Brexit. So I'd be interested to know how it's impacted your business in terms of getting supplies in. Has it made you focus more on seasonal produce? How has it affected your mentality the way you think? Well, I suppose we always focused on seasonality and local produce and, and we're very lucky at that. Brexit, yeah, my God, it's a big question. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm in no way political in any way, um, but I, I definitely think, you know, I hope it, I hope it works out because it's a, it's a worrying time for businesses. So it is when you can't get produce and you have to open your business with COVID throwing in among the work, the mix. It's definitely, it's very challenging. It definitely is. It really hasn't affected. I'll tell you one thing I learned over the last maybe a couple of weeks is that in the wine business, because we, de- we deal with Jim Nickerson, that they said with Brexit now, getting wine in has been challenging. So that's one thing we didn't think of, to be through you. We didn't think we'd be affected with, with so many small little obstacles, but I think they're all workable. I really do. It just means that us as a company, we have to buy in bulk a little bit more. So we have to make sure that we sell the wine, if you know what I mean. So we have to buy up front. And that's okay. That we can we can work around that. Once we're told that, we we can work with our suppliers. Yeah. You're listening to Borderlines. We'll continue our conversation with Chef Nevin Maguire after this short break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Borderlines. Today we're talking to Chef Nevin Maguire about his personal history, his identity and his passions. Now Nevin of course is well known for his love of food, but during lockdown a more unexpected passion of his came to light. (laughs) 
Well, Amelda and the twins might think I've lost the plot, <laughs> but here's how it happened. So uh, I suppose all my life I've loved dance music. And when I was about 18 or 19, and probably just when I started from out of college, I just really fell in love with dance music. And I uh, used to go up to Dublin every two weeks. I used to go up and, uh, and to Belfast too, and I used to get records, vinyl, lots of vinyl like I have here. I bought them in to show you. And uh, so, yeah, I have a, a couple of thousand records and it's something I never spoke about for AHP through for which um, for maybe 25 years, because as I got busier, I had to put all that aside. I used to DJ in a local nightclub when our restaurant was really quiet. Bless, we used to do small numbers. You'd finish at 11 o'clock. I'd go in on a Wednesday and a Saturday night in Tinnaskillen. It was called Mirage or the River Club. It renamed itself. And uh, I used to play for the last hour for free. I never got paid. I want to clarify that, but I did get in free. <laughs> so uh, dance music, that was a big part of my life. And it was a bit of fun. It always was a bit of fun. Cooking is and always has been the love of my life, as well as my family, of course. But so then at Christmas, Amelda got my decks, my decks that I got for my 21st birthday revamped. So they were lying up in the attic. My mom, bless her, and my mother-in-law had all the records, about 3,000 records kept. And we tucked them down. And uh, Christmas Eve, I was presented with my decks. I swear to God, I absolutely <laughs> was so happy because I thought about it in the first lockdown because I had lots of time. So I was doing me videos with plenty of time with the family going on little walks the weather was lovely enough. and then I said oh I'd love to get back playing the music just for a bit of fun and that's all it is so Freya um, where I'm talking to you now at home I have a little studio where I do my videos and have my decks and all my records all set up there and I just play away and I'm not annoying anyone not even the neighbours <laughs> and it's just great fun it's just a bit of fun and people think where did this come from Nevin's a raver but I always enjoyed this uh, this uh, music so I did and it's reconnected me, it's I've fallen in love back with the music, which is great. Now it's all old school music, so you have trance, dance, hard house, all that, and uh, drum and bass, which I don't like anymore. But a lot of it I would have got in um, in Berlin, and I would have got some in Luxembourg, and also as I say, Belfast and London and Dublin. I spent a lot of money, but I loved it, and it's a bit of fun. And sure, vinyl now it's it's like collector's Worth items now. So nice, we so. are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you where I keep, but I did tell you where I keep them. <laughs> People think, my God, you know, will you go? I've got a lot of offers to go and play here and play there. No, I, I'll be in my restaurant. I'll be playing it. Some of the staff love the music. Some of them don't. They'll probably think, what has happened to this man in lockdown? But you know what? It actually kept me going. Uh, music is, I fi find, very good for the head. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'd go out and spend a couple of hours there during lockdown. Because you must remember, for eight months, we had no work. And I mean, like, you know, you could get out of bed and feel sorry for yourself and just be down. You know, your business is closed, 60 staff, no work. But no, I was just doing my videos, playing a little bit of music, nice family time. So I'm going to be honest with you, lockdown and COVID has been actually particularly very good for me. It slowed me down and it made me realise what's really important. I don't need to be on the road all the time and just, you know, going here and there. It's OK to say no to people. It's OK to be, do things like doing this Zoom with yourselves today. Like if you'd have said to me two years ago, Zoom, I I wouldn't, have I wouldn't have known what it was. So I've done Zoom cook-alongs with kids. I've done a Zoom cook-along with 16 visually impaired kids who can't see. But what they can do, they can communicate through food. And we we done a couple of little recipes. And uh, I, then I've done a Zoom cook-along with um, 100 Down Syndrome adults. Now, that's incredible. 
that makes technology exciting. It means that you can connect with people and I can do it from my own little studio in my home. So even though I can't do cookery demonstrations for as you know, I'd be, I'd be all over the country, but we can still connect with people. So in a roundabout way, from the music to cooking, food, sure, you know, COVID hasn't been that bad for me, to be honest with you, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. It's it's all, all about the connections, isn't it? Really just what comes across about you, whether you're connecting with people through through food or through your music or through your family. We haven't even touched on the fact that there's a theme of twins here as well, isn't there? You know, you have twins, you are a twin. How has the twin thing, if that's a thing, how has that been a part of your life? Well, I always make a wee bit of a joke because, uh, you know, we do like value in Cavan too for the price well, of indeed. one. So my my, my uh, twin brother, David, he's a Woodward teacher in Selbridge and he's worked in the restaurant too. Uh, we're very close and we've always been very close. And as I say, we would have went to the same school too. Always a little bit of a competitive edge with twins, you know, when it comes to football or whatever like that. But he's a smashing guy. And then when me and my wife had twins, a boy and a girl, like how lucky are we? And my oldest brother, you might know him, Freya, he has uh, twins too. So twins do run. <laughs> in the family, whatever's in the calf of water. But it's, it's. Um, I, I met a woman once from Cork and she had 19 children and four sets of twins. Wow. And like, that's like running a restaurant every day. So she wanted to get, a, <laughs> she wanted to buy a cookbook off me and I said, no way are you paying for that. You've earned every, that. And, and it's just, for me, I think twins, there's a, there's a really lovely bond there, you know. And Connor and Lucia, they're very different. They're great little foodies. Hopefully they'll get into cooking. Uh, I, well, definitely I'll try my best with that. But I, they, they love their food and they're eating things that I wasn't eating when I was nine. Like if you'd have given me calamari, which is squid, I'd have thought they were onion rings, you know, when I was their age. So it's incredible their little palates, how sophisticated they have become and are becoming and they're, they're, they're not afraid to experiment. So you made a nice point about connecting with people. Definitely, I, I love to meet guests and I love to meet people and you get great inspiration. When we reopened the restaurant, we had this 90-year-old lady and I met her at the end of the meal. She was from Galway and she was a retired home economics teacher and I said, how was your meal? She said it was the best meal of my life. Mm. And when someone says that, give me that over over any award. I mean, that's one of the nicest things anyone can say to me. One woman too, Freya, just recently, um, she said, you kept me going through lockdown. She was in on a Saturday night and I said, how? She said she broke her back before lockdown and was in bed and was watching my videos and cooking. And she said, you've no idea how you helped me. So if I can do something small like that and just encourage people and just, it, it's about giving good energy and goodwill and just um, being open and honest and just being positive. That's a key message for me we'll get through Brexit we'll please God get through COVID once we have our health and our family and thank God we have a business that is successful I never take that for granted it's something that I really appreciate and yeah I feel very grateful for Well there you go the challenge has been laid down Food for thought I'm sure Nevin's never heard that one before Next week, we're talking to Kyle Paisley, a free Presbyterian minister. And with that famous surname, he is also the son of the late Reverend Ian and a twin brother of the MP Ian Jr. The twin theme continues. We'll be talking to Kyle about borders, Boris Johnson, and how Northern Ireland will always be home, even if it's part of a united Ireland. That's on Borderlines every Monday. From me, Fran McClements. And me, Mary Minahan, And our producer, Declan Conlon. Goodbye for now.